Hello, welcome again to the Poet Delayed podcast. Uh, this is Scott, the host. And um, as always, I want to thank those of you who have listened to my prior episodes and those of you who have taken a moment to share your thoughts uh, or suggestions with me. I, I always appreciate that. And you can always do that, any of you who listen. Um, you can give me your criticisms, your your um, virtual high fives or whatever. You can email me at poetdelayed at gmail.com. Um, so today I have with me Michelle Wingle, who is the other half of Monty Wingle, who was my guest um, a few episodes ago. The uh, episode about... Um, Oh, which poem was that? Uh, um, Nirvana. That's right. Um, in fact, a little bit about Michelle is she's the one who kind of, you, you gave me kind of the uh, idea for this. You originally suggested a YouTube channel, and I didn't want to do that because I thought that would be weird. Um, and then you said, well, how about just a podcast? And I thought, you know what? That's a good idea. So we have today with me, the idea generator for Poet Delayed. So welcome, welcome. Great. I'm glad to be here. You're yeah. on my list of favorite people in the world. So wow. it's great to spend time with you. And if I can take any piece of credit for your awesome podcast, I will take it because I think you're doing a great job. I love the episodes. Well, thank you. Um, the premise of each poem and I love it. Like, that is awesome. It's been fun to do. It's been really a lot of fun to do. And um, you have your own podcast as well, mm -hmm. right? Yep. I have the Wholeness Network podcast, it's called. And we'll, we're going to record an episode with you yes. when we're done here. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. Um, now, tell me a little about the Wholeness. Because you've got, you've got the Wholeness Network, mm -hmm. and, but you also have a podcast personal, more personal type practice, right? Yes. So the, the, I own and have, was a founder of the wholeness network it's called. And, um, it is, our, our goal was to, to help us help people find a way to discover this wholeness. Wholeness, when we started, this was not a word that was used very much. And so, mm -hmm. and now you hear it all the time, but one of the first things we had to do was to help people understand what we meant by wholeness. And if you Google wholeness, you'll get a definition and there's two things. One is a completeness, right? A completeness, but there's always, it also says that there is, it's a, it's a, um, it's always in transition. So it's a paradox because we are always whole and we are always in uh, creating our wholeness at the same time. And I, to me, it's like when we work towards wellness, then we kind of connotate that we have everything fixed and it's mm -hmm. all better. But I think a better way is this wholeness, because to me, when we can declare ourselves as whole, there is just a, a transformation of peace and and bravery and courageousness, you know, being courageous and um, joy and all of those things at the same time. I, I like that. And here's the reason I like that is um, I've been trying to kind of focus on like the here and the now mm -hmm. as opposed to tomorrow or, I mean, you, you've got a plan for the future to some extent, but, right. but for so long and for so much, for, for such a long time in my life, mm -hmm. the future caused dread and fear and angst and anxiety in me. 
Right. Because I, I'm not going to be able to do this or that, or I've got right. deadlines and so on and so forth. And I'm starting to understand now that um, those fears of the future mm-hmm. are, I mean, they're, they're not based in reality in, right. in, in, in one sense, because what's real is what's right now. Right. And, you know, when I, and so kind of your, your, your concept of wholeness, I, I really like that because, you know, we are, we're never at a state. Well, we're, we're never at a, at a, we are, we are always, we always need to be progressing. We always need to be mm-hmm. doing things in order to, um, renew ourselves. I mean, you think about just biologically, your, your, right. your cells, your, your, your cells are dying and re regenerating, regenerating yeah. growing all the yeah. time, yeah. all the time. Mm-hmm. And if they were to stop, that would, I mean, I right. can't imagine that would be good, right. you know, and we have the seasons. I mean, there's so many, right. there's so many analogies for that. And so when you, when we say wholeness to, to think of it as an idea of, okay, we are now complete. Mm-hmm. That doesn't appeal to me mm-hmm. because I like right growing and changing and, and, yes. and that involves death right to, to, you know, for, uh, for real for, yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, I like that idea of wholeness. And I wanted to, I, there's this, uh, thing that I read the other day that really, I'm just trying to find it right now. Let's see. Oh, here it is. It's from Eckhart Tolle. Mm-hmm. He said, uh, in fact, I found this on, uh, um, Mustang medicine. Oh yes. Yeah. Good uh, friend of mine. Yeah. Hugh. On, uh, his Instagram, it popped up and I just thought that's brilliant, but that's yeah. Eckhart Tolle. And it says, don't f- look for any other state than the one you are in now. Otherwise you will create inner conflict and unconscious resistance. Forgive yourself for not being at peace. The moment you completely accept your non-peace, it becomes transmuted into peace. Anything you accept fully will get you there will take you into peace. This is the miracle of willful surrender. Um, what I want to focus on in that is just don't look for any other state than the one you are in now. Mm. Otherwise you will create inner conflict and unconscious resistance. So, so, I mean, I guess taking what yeah. you know, talking about wholeness, um, right now mm-hmm. I'm whole to some degree, Yes, but that doesn't mean I just stay where I'm at. Right. You know, I am whole today right now. Right to the extent I can be whole. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm striving for. Yeah. And then tomorrow will be different. Right. And, it, but whatever I'm, wherever I'm at right now mm-hmm. is just right. Yeah. It's a both. And we are both whole and we have places we can go. We have things we can learn. We, and that's exciting, but it doesn't mean that we have a deficit right now. Mm-hmm. It is what it is right now. Right. We are whole right now. We have right. all that we need to survive right now in this moment. Right. And I think to your to your example, you know that was the that was the thing. So you know, in twenty fifteen, about twenty fifteen, I just kind of heard some dabblings about um, what people might call holistic health or wellness or energy work or energy healing, and I just could kind of heard these things mm-hmm. in the background. And I was a very mental minded person, you know, very non-hands-on type of person. So I just kind of, yeah, whatever. I didn't really think about it. But in 2015, my oldest son was getting ready to leave the nest and go out on his own. And that was a moment for me because all of a sudden as a mom, that's all I had planned on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hadn't planned beyond this. And all of a sudden I realized this was all changing, even though he was just my first son. 
that was going to change. This was, and, and it really sent me in kind of this identity crisis a little bit about I hadn't planned for this change. He left in August of that year. And in October of that year, my mom passed away. And we had, she had been in a home and and her health had never been great. I was the youngest and had me when she was 38. So she was always older than all the other moms. Mm-hmm. I never, it wasn't like she was a spunky person that, you know. Like you are. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I was always kind of aware that she would go, you know, but, but what was hard is when she passed away, her, her and my dad's relationship had never been something that was feeding my life. Mm. And their relationship together or their, their relationship, relationship with you together, together, okay. you know, it never, it, it was never, it was always a, a part of it. It was always a problem in my life. It was always something oh, that caused pain for me. And then she had been unhealthy and in a home for eight years. So when she passed away, I, it was just shocking to me that there was never going, there wasn't going to be a resolution to this thing. Like this thing in my life that was so frustrating, you kept kind of looking for answers for it. Just stopped, mm. and all those eight years that she was in the in the home, and when when you're in a home, she was started out in assisted living and then moved on to a nursing home. You go into this little small room and you sit there, and your conversations are very different than if you were at home sitting on the couch talking yeah. to mom. I so all of those eight years like almost fell onto my shoulders in a, at her death, just realizing that I had gone through all of these struggles. My youngest didn't know her at all. You know, it was just this heavy, heavy feeling. And I would say to people, I don't know what to think anymore because whatever problem you're having, and then you die. That's what I'd say. And then you die. And there's no result. I mean, that was not the way it was supposed to be. You're supposed to have this ending, this resolution, this happy ever after that resolves things and then you move on and that had not happened and there was no getting that back within around that time and for the years a little bit before my mom passed and and it kind of intensified at this moment you know my marriage was struggling it was hard we were going in a little bit two different directions there was a lot of things we understand better now in 2023 than we knew in 2015 about what was causing some of those problems but it was, it was all of a sudden, yeah, I hadn't been able to talk to my mom about that. You know, I hadn't, yeah. I didn't have her on my side. We also found in January of that, of 2016, that one of my children had been sexually abused growing up multiple times. I didn't know that. That was another trauma that yeah. hit in that, that moment. And then um, my dad quickly remarried and that was kind of a, a, a difficult thing. <clears throat> And then I had my best friend who had been the one that I could talk to was diagnosed with cancer. So I had in this short period of time, so many traumas. It's like, I got to figure this out. I'm drowning, you know, I am drowning. And so when I reached out to go to my first, it was a Reiki session, which I am now certified in Reiki, Reiki because of this moment. But I sat on the table. I I lied to her. She's like, what are you here for? I said, oh, I just want to try it out. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even tell her. You know, I didn't want to go into it because at that point, everything was so tender. Everything was so, um, you know, I had a lot of, uh, like, shame about all these difficulties, you know, because there was this part of me that kind of believed something must be, I must be doing something wrong to have all of these troubles hit me, Right. So I had just told her, yeah, I just want to 
just seeing what it's like. So I laid down on the table. And the first thing she said after a few minutes of silence, she, she just said, um, you know, I feel like your mind is just ping ponging back and forth. And, and she was exactly right. I mean, 24 hours a day was my brain trying to make sense of this stuff. Like I was just having an internal dialogue over and over again about all these different stresses, trying to make sense of them, trying to create some kind of resolution or, or something. And she asked me, she says, we want to look down, we want to work down in your heart. Can you just, you know, go into your heart? And I sat there for a minute and I said, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, I can't. I mean, my head was, I could hardly even hold my head still sitting there. I could feel my body just trembling, just being still. And she said, let's see if we can do it for just a minute. And for whatever reason that allowed all those parts struggling to just say, okay, if we go away for a minute, we can come back. And I don't remember exactly all that happened in that, um, that session. But when she finished, she says, is there anything else? And then of course I just, you know, here's what's going on. Mm. And she could sit there and hear me. And I could tell that I was not bringing up emotions within her. She could just hold that space for me. There was no judgment. There was no answers even. She didn't say, here's what you can do. It was just the most, it was just sacred, right? And it, yeah. and I realized, so in that moment, it's just exactly what you were saying. Right there in that moment, I had all this story, but I was okay. Like she yeah. helped me see that I was okay. And I realized that I wasn't, even if with all of the story, there was a possibility that I could be okay, that those were two different things. Because in this moment, that death of my mom isn't impacting me right now, you know, unless I wanted to go there, you know, Um, or, or all that stuff wasn't, wasn't opposing me in that moment. And it gave me hope. So I went on to get my own certifications and, and that kind of thing. And that's what the Wholeness Network is about. It's it's a library of almost 300 videos, probably maybe more than that. We've got downloads because there's worksheets. Sometimes people need to write things out, right? Mm-hmm. Words are powerful. We'll talk about that, I'm sure. And then there's audio meditations and things like that. And the, the whole goal is because I, I want people to have access to a place where they can be in the now, to be in that whole place for a few minutes, you know, and that's so they're small videos, they're not long lectures, Mm. a lot of them are, uh, my favorite ones are called called video meditations, because meditations are it's a big thing. And it's intimidating for people. And, and a lot of people just I don't know how to do that. But I think I thought, you know, if you could just sit there and watch this show, this movie for five minutes, that's just calming, it has music, it's then and if you just can feel better, that's what we care about. If you can just feel better, then that's all we can ask for. You know, we can't take away. I couldn't bring my mom back. Right. Right. I know that's your story too. I couldn't bring, I couldn't change the scenarios and, but I could feel better in this moment. And that, that's what I'm seeking. And so going in getting all of my certifications, I have, you know, went and did every class that ever spoke to me. So I have quite a few certifications, (laughs) but they're all in um, trying to, 
find places for my clients to feel better and to, but, but I think my biggest asset, my biggest um, qualification that I didn't get anywhere else is, is to learn within myself how to hold emotion and how to hold that space for someone else. And, and because I worked with myself and allowed myself to um, accept my wholeness, my divinity, we'll talk about that, then I have the capacity now to do that for someone else. And I will always hold space. I will always be a witness to somebody's divinity. That is number one, when I asked what my what is my purpose when I started to decide that I'm going to do this as a business? What is my message? What is my goal? And I was, I, w- I felt like I was given an answer of, I want people to know they are divine. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm a witness to their divinity. That's what I do the very most. And, and that's my goal in, in, in every session. So um, that's where I kind of came to where I am. Awesome. <laughs> I, you know, I think about what you said and, um, that was a, that was quite, um, a year or two yeah. for you. Reminds me of Shakespeare's line. When sorrows come, they come not in single spies, but in battalions and they were coming battalion after battalion. For yes. You. Um, um, and you've done some Reiki work mm-hmm, on me mm-hmm. or with me on me. I don't know how you, I don't know the proper <laughs> However it works. word. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I've I've definitely felt that from you. Just just the holding space, and um, I'd never done it before. I, you know, I think mm-hmm. we talked. My, my my little brother, he practices. Yeah. Reiki. I don't know if you reached out to you. Yeah. No, I need to. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've I've been I've become so much more open to other modalities mm-hmm. of of healing that. You know, I used to be more of a traditional, just, uh, yep, me too. You know, but, <laughs> but I'm understanding now and I'm seeing and I'm feeling that mm-hmm. the, uh, that there is energy, mm-hmm. you know, and there is, uh, ways, there, there are parts of us that, that can't be reached traditionally. Yeah. You know, um, and now I put in, in the podcast information, I've put, links to your website and, oh, and so forth. So if yeah. anybody's interested in reaching out to Michelle, uh, go ahead and do that. Um, I, I would recommend it. Um, now today I, I gave you the option mm-hmm. of choosing a poem and mm-hmm. you chose one and I'll be honest with you. I was a little bit uh, surprised that you chose it. Um, I can't get my glasses on. There we go. <laughs> Got to wear glasses now. Um, so the poem is called comprehend yourself. And I'm going to go ahead and read that. And then I'll, I'll just kind of talk a little bit about where it came from. Yeah. And uh, we'll go from there. Okay, so comprehend yourself. It reads, I know as I floated above a watery grave, alone and exhausted, with no one aware and no strength to deliver myself, that despite your worlds without number, with their countless inhabitants, you knew and delivered me. Mm-hmm. Now, um, this poem actually is, comes from a very personal, powerful experience that I had, uh, uh, when I was 17 years old, mm. um, it was, uh, took place at Deer Creek Reservoir. If, you, if you're in Utah, you might know where that is. I think it's by, you know, it's by, um, Heber. Yes. In the, uh, midway, that, you know, that mm-hmm. kind of area over there between 
as you're driving through from Heber to Provo, I think you passed mm-hmm. by it. I think you're right. Um, anyway, I was 17 years old. I was, it was a summer, uh, so that would have been 1991. And my family, we were moving from Illinois, St. Louis area, mm-hmm. from Illinois to Hawaii. Wow. And that summer, my dad dropped me off to stay with my sister in Provo for a little mm-hmm. bit. And I went with her and her friends to Deer Creek Reservoir and just to spend the day frolicking in the water. Mm-hmm. And they brought a, it was called an inflatable fun island. It was just a big, huge, circular, floaty thing that you inflated. And we all got inflated it, got put on the water, and then some guy in a jet ski, I don't even he may have just been some passerby, took us out to the no wake buoy and tied it there. And so we were just going to sit around there playing on it. So we, I played there for a little bit in the water out. And I remember just thinking, this is kind of crowded. I'm ready mm-hmm. to be done. I'm going to, I thought to myself, I'm just going to swim back to shore. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I'm going to see how fast I can do it. Mm-hmm. And I had no idea my level of you know, being a swimmer, I, I knew I could swim, but I hadn't, I didn't know what it did to you. And so right. I just started off, boom, as fast as I could. And I got maybe halfway and I was spent completely. I remember trying this, you know, the side stroke, breaststroke, the, um, backstroke, everything I could. Mm. And I got to the point where I was completely exhausted mm. and wasted zero strength. I could not swim another bit. And I was just staying afloat. I looked around, you know, to, to call to somebody to help. Nobody was around me. Mm -hmm. And I remember just laying on my back, looking up at the sky. I remember seeing the clouds and just really thinking, this is it. Mm -hmm. I have, I cannot sit here much longer. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, this, I'm, I'm, I'm about done. Mm-hmm. And then I had just, just this thought came into my mind, you know, pray. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this was a time in my life where I was going to church, but mm-hmm. I wasn't really interested. I wasn't yeah. invested. I 17 just, year old. Version. 17 year old. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I just thought, okay. And I just, I, I don't remember the exact words, but it's very simple. It's just, mm-hmm. um, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I have no more strength. Please help. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. Just like that. And it wasn't much long. I mean, less than a minute, mm-hmm. maybe. I looked over and I saw the sky on a windsurf board coming straight at me. And mm-hmm. I thought, oh, here we go. So I raised my hand to, you know, say, hey, can you help me? And he called out to me. He said, yeah, I see you. I'm coming to get you. Mm-hmm. So he had seen me mm-hmm. somehow. I don't, I mean, I think back on that. I think it'd be hard to see. Right. I was just laying on the surface of the water. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so he came over and. I grabbed onto the back foothold of his surf, windsurf board and he towed me into shore. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting out of the water and my body just felt like jelly. Mm-hmm. I could barely walk. I gave him as hearty a thank you as I could. Mm-hmm. But it was, I mean, it was from my soul, deep yeah. in my soul. And I went and I sat in the car. And then I started replaying what had just happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like in the movies when they will uh, slow it mm-hmm. down like, and you're seeing from this person's perspective and they'll slow everything around them down and kind of blurs around the edges just mm-hmm. to kind of hyper focus on this one thing. Yeah. Well, whenever I think about that event, that's how it appears to me. That's how it mm-hmm. felt at the time. Mm-hmm. And I almost, when I think about it now, I, I just see this tunnel between mm-hmm. me mm-hmm. and 
you know, at the time, I, God. Mm-hmm. And he and I were the only mm-hmm. beings in existence. Yeah. And I knew that I had been heard mm-hmm. and that he knew who I was and where mm-hmm. I was and what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that, so that was a very powerful experience for me. I, I remember I just broke down crying. I didn't cry. I, I cried very little. I mean, yeah. I can, on my, on three fingers, I can count the times I cried between, wow. you know, the time my mom died and maybe when I was 25, you know, right. I mean, not, but this was, mm-hmm. I felt seen, I felt heard, which mm-hmm. was not, which had not been my experience mm-hmm. um, before or even much after that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that really had an impact on me. Mm-hmm. And that's where this poem comes from. Yeah. And what's interesting is, well, the, the title itself, it, Comprehend Yourself, um, comes from a quote by Joseph Smith that I've always been drawn to. And whatever you think about Joseph Smith, I think this quote, this statement mm-hmm. is a true statement. Mm-hmm. It says, if you don't comprehend the nature of God, you can't comprehend yourself. Mm-hmm. And I've thought a lot about that. And, and, you know, I wrote this poem actually just a few years ago. Mm. I remember just one day thinking about that experience and then this, and then I just wrote this poem and I had a different title on it for a while. I don't remember what it was, the different, the original title. Hmm. Um, I don't remember, but I remember one day just thinking, no, I need to change that mm-hmm. title. And one reason is, you know, I've kind of stepped, I'm, you know, this whole thing, this whole time in my life, these last, last few years, I've really been reevaluating yeah. because my life has been very emotionally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I've, so I've stepped back and reevaluating. One of those things is, you know, reevaluating, you know, certainly my relationship with the church that I grew up in, mm-hmm. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints mm-hmm. and reevaluating my relationship there. And I've mm-hmm. recognized that it was not a, it was more of a, it was, it was more of a parent mm-hmm. than anything for mm-hmm. me. And so I've stepped back and I'm reevaluating all of this. Mm-hmm. And so, um, as I've done that, I've, I've, I've often thought about that experience and I mm-hmm. thought, well, what does that, what does that mean to me then? Because I had interpreted, I had interpreted, mm-hmm. interpreted, <laughs> I had interpreted that experience through the lens of my religious upbringing mm-hmm. and what basically I'd interpreted it, interpreted it <laughs> yeah. according to what others had told me it should mm-hmm. mean. You have this experience. It means this. Therefore. Yes. Da, 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 da. And I thought, but as I'm stepping back and reevaluating things, maybe it doesn't, maybe mm-hmm. there's some other explanation for yeah. it. What I do know is that it happened. Mm-hmm. It was true. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a real experience that I happened, yes. that happened. And it was a supernatural experience. Mm-hmm. And um, some people may call it, you know, the universe showed up for me right. or the higher power showed up for right. me, or I'm comfortable saying God showed up for yep. me. And but what it what it did for me, like for me, is number one, I felt, like I said earlier, connected and heard, mm-hmm. which had not been my experience. Yeah. But also, as I've thought about it more, especially in the last few years, I've thought, and I've I've, I've gone back to that statement by Joseph Smith that mm-hmm. you know if you don't comprehend the nature of God, you can't comprehend yourself. Yeah. I hear that statement from him. 
And that's a statement of my divinity, mm-hmm. not my eventual divinity, right. but my current present divinity yes. that I believe we all have yep. inherently within us. And so comprehending myself. So this, this poem, as I, mm-hmm. as I think about that experience, I just think, okay, that was an example of my inherent value. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, it's not something that I've earned. Mm-hmm. It's not something that somebody has bestowed upon me. Right. I don't have value because, um, necessarily because I am a child of God. Mm-hmm. I have, I have value because I am because me. I am because yeah. I am. I said as Neil Diamond yeah. would sing. Um, mm-hmm. and so I, so if I know the nature of God, mm-hmm. then I know me mm-hmm. vice versa. If I know me, I yep. know the nature of God. Mm-hmm. And that's been huge for me in this whole process of healing because as you know, it's, it's been interesting because I've been learning so much these last few years, so much. And sometimes I think, okay, I got to pull this all together, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is when I sit down and I, I, you know, I like to break things down to their smallest parts. Yes. You would think I'd be good at division that way, but I'm not, <laughs> but I like to break things down to their mm-hmm. smallest parts. Mm-hmm. And when I sit and I think about these concepts that I'm learning and I start to break them down to the smallest parts, mm-hmm. they always come to one thing. Yeah. And that one thing is that, um, I need to love myself mm-hmm. and accept them worthy to be loved by others. Mm-hmm. That's where it comes down to. Mm-hmm. the 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 value of me mm-hmm. and and going in and reconnecting myself to myself mm-hmm. that's where it all comes back to that yes. that I'm not um to know myself mm-hmm. to comprehend myself yeah. hence the title of the poem okay. and so that's a, a that's a so that in a big 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 nutshell coconut shell that's what the <laughs> poem means that's so where it comes from. I, I love that example when, and I love that, that it was a real experience that you had. I read this poem. Whenever I read this poem, I get new insights, but I, you know, when I, when I see it, I see two c- components. <clears throat> Sorry. You're all right. I see this. First of all, I see a bookend of, I know, and you knew. Okay. So there's this bookend which is almost like that tunnel. Mm -hmm. And then what I see in the middle is, is, is a story is a, it's one of my, I I identify that that was how you described a story of your pain and suffering. I can put my story there, but on the bookend is I knew, and then you knew, and it becomes circular to me because you knew because you went through all, you know, because, because I know now. Yeah. And so you you're either bookended with yourself or you're bookended with with a god who walks with you or a higher power or a I'm universe. Fine with a universe you know that 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 goes with you and follows that path with you because you are that divine then the universe honors you and respects you you know they're they you they you are the most priceless commodity in the entire universe there's only one Mm-hmm. So that makes you the most priceless commodity in the universe. So you're 
you are cared for and important, right? I love the word when you say I was seen and heard. Seen, being seen and heard is the most healing thing that can happen. Yeah, I agree. It, it, and in fact, even if you look at scripture, at, at, at the Bible, and, and look at when Christ came upon people that he healed, he would ask them, what, what do you want? You know, he didn't just see the blind man and say, we got to get that guy to see. Mm-hmm. He asked them what they wanted so that it was their creation. They were seen and they were heard about what they wanted. He, he did not assume what yeah. they, what they needed. And so I, I love that. So you have the, I know you knew, and then that's when you're delivered. Right. But if I were to read the, the when I read this poem, because I think it's interesting where you left off the spaces and went to another line. I think that's fa- that's it, it, it's really um, interesting. So I, you know, th- I'm glad you noticed that because I, when I write my poetry, yeah, that's that is a a uh, that is something that I do. Yeah, it, it it changes the way it yeah. says. So if I read it, I say I know. Then there's a long pause. As I floated above a watery grave. Alone, exhausted, with no one aware and no strength to deliver myself. That despite your worlds with, without number, with their countless inhabitants, you knew and delivered me. I also look at this poem and I think there's things that stick out to me that you might not have thought of. I, so when I think I of it. when I think of watery, you know, and now a watery grave, uh, another image that comes to me is when we are in the womb, we are in the waters, and 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 they say that a woman delivering is the closest to death that she'll ever be. Oh, interesting. So I I again started to see this is a so again you're talking about this this thing is circular. So you're mm. you're talking about a life and a death. So I know, you know, is. What did you know during that time period? You know, whatever. But you were alone, exhausted. Yeah, I could not deliver myself. I had no strength to deliver, and that—that that is that being in the mom's womb. We, as a baby, they do not push themselves right. down. True. They are delivered by the mother. And and then, despite your worlds without number and countless inhabitants, despite all that that mom has in her life, despite all the things that she is, she is there in that moment to bring you into the world. You knew and delivered me. Like to me, I see also a, mm. a mother, um, a beautiful mother metaphor in this poem. And so, it, but but that circular thing of I know you knew, I know you knew. I know something I know usually. So what you do know at the time, at the beginning is there's difficulty right now, but you knew that difficulty and helped me beyond it. Right. Hmm. You knew. So I, I just, I, I, I love that. And I, and I want to share with you the, I, sometimes I, I started to write what I would do is maybe even write a prayer. So I would write dear father, sometimes dear mother, sometimes Mm -hmm. dear universe, whatever, whatever speaks to me or to you at that time, asking a question. And then I would wait for a few minutes and just begin to write as quickly as I can. So it's kind of hard to read my, 
my handwriting, but um, one of the one of the answers I got was, "Dear daughter, creation is circular; it is eternal. Ups and downs are merely the label you attain you attach to it. Spiritual things grow in all directions, up, down, in, out, always." Pay attention to the, quote, down. It is spiritual, too. Turn it into spiritual and see it expand and be something greater. I also was asking about when you talked about, you know, what did this mean that I was saved in this moment, that I was delivered, right? Mm Because all of a sudden we say, okay, therefore I was delivered. And then we automatically go into, therefore, I must, this, 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 or therefore, this is true. Or, and what's interesting about what we do that as it's, it's, it's a natural thing that we do as humans. But what we're doing at the same time is we're also, we're, we're saying what is, but we're also implying what is not. Yeah, that's a good point. So if <clears throat> I deliver, you know, if I, because this happened, therefore, I must have been worthy mm-hmm. means that there is unworthiness. Right. If there, if I had this experience and therefore I must step up my game and be a better church going person, then that means that I wasn't enough before. Do you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it has some, um, it, it's not always easy, you know, and for a while it sounds like that, that's the equation that should work. It also, it also indicates, or it also is saying that, um, there is that my value is dependent yes. on an external definition. Right. It's what other people it's tra- say is it's, worthiness. Yeah. It's transactional. Yeah. I had this experience. Therefore I owe or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a transaction, which is, I mean, would anybody want to be loved transactionally? You no. qualify for love. Right. No. Do you do that with your own children? Do you transactionalize? I mean, do you, does that love show up in your body because they did something? We don't have control mm-hmm. that way. Emotions are innate in who we are and love isn't contrived. You know, sometimes we can like contrivedly, but, mm-hmm. but, but, but love is something that wells up within us. It's, it's part of our thing. And I was asking that one day as far as like, how does it work? How does that, you know, I, I would, I would have worded it differently. What, what is this contractual thing? How does blessings work? I was asking blessings because, because it was in that transactional way. It was like, well, I want this blessing or I want this, this thing to happen for me. I want to be delivered. What do I have to do? Like, that's what I was asking, right? What do I have to do to be delivered? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the answer I got was blessings are ornate in nature. They have beautiful intricacies in the beauty so if you're just looking at the beauty, the craftsmanship gets lost until you know how to create. Um, you don't understand the entire worth. As a creator, you can create. It was given to you in the flesh for the flesh. But what that meant to me was, I like I want that blessing right over there. That's what I want. But I didn't even understand the creative process mm. Because I just wanted, I separated myself from this divine part of myself or divine being, however you want to say it. And so it just, I just left myself as, I couldn't do it myself. So you create this for me and bring it to me. But when I, if I learned to create, 
then I know, wow, all that it takes to create this blessing. It becomes more valuable. Yes. And that was a better way. So it was an invitation for me to step forward, claim that divinity within myself and say, okay, I'm going to create with, so I co-create and be, and, and take, um, and take that leap to say, I am, I can now learn to use the ingredients of my own life to, to, create blessings not because not in a willpower way not in a forceful way but in an in to really understand the intricacies of what it takes to make that and to make it more valuable and and then guess what then i know what it takes to create that blessing and then you knew and it becomes this communion Mm. with the the highest part of who i am and uh i think what could be more of a blessing than to really step into it and be a co-creator of it. And it, it helped me not feel like my life was just at the mercy of someone else that had control over everything. You know, I had no power. I had no control, all these things. And, and people wanted me to really, I know we've talked about this before. They wanted me in conversation to take these things that were really hard on me and somehow make them a blessing because, you know, to just bypass all that and say, yeah, "Yeah, but yeah, but then now this can happen or now this, this, and don't you think this and gave me all this, this thing that were transactional, they were all transactional. Well, now you've had this, therefore this can show up, you know, I, and I just learned, I'm like, you know, isn't a better way to let go of that transaction and just be be with it to allow and accept it like your quote from Eckhart yeah. says. I, I I think that is that's kind of where I'm gravitating to in my life as well. It's just, you know, looking at where I am in my life right now. And mm-hmm. I, I heard something the other day, um like, you know, people all the time ask, Hey, how are you doing? You know, and I, it's it's more of just a greeting than right. an actual wanting to know. Right. But the it, which is interesting in other countries, they actually want to know. I remember mm-hmm. I was talking to um, some people from Norway and you would say, Hey, how are you doing? And just continue walking. They'd stop to tell wow. you how they're doing, you know, like, <laughs> Oh wait, Oh, you, you're going to answer that <laughs> question. Oh, okay. Wow. Anyway. Um, but the response I heard somebody give was just right. Mm. How are you doing? Just right. Mm. Um, it's not good or bad. Yep. It is what it is right yes. now. And, uh, that is such a healthy approach mm-hmm. to life. And yeah. because we have this tendency to look at things as good and bad. Yes. And if you're, if things are, you know, not going well, you know, um, objectively, mm-hmm. you know, if people mm-hmm. look and say, oh, you know, you know, you're having financial problems and things aren't well. And well, no, mm-hmm. things are just right. And I've be honest with you. I've been really learning that mm-hmm. lately because, um, you know, since this last, you know, we've talked about this, I've mentioned on the podcast, this last year has been very difficult for mm-hmm. me and I've had to learn to rely on other people. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn that it's okay to be loved by other people Mm -hmm. because it makes me uncomfortable to ask Mm -hmm. for help and Mm -hmm. to get help and to learn that it's okay that, uh, you know, so I I guess, and as I've done that, things have 
worked out for me. Mm -hmm. And it's never been in necessarily, uh, I mean, it's, it's, I've had my needs met Mm -hmm. and I've, I've had things show up when they needed to show up. Mm -hmm. And is it what I wanted or how Mm -hmm. I planned it? No, Mm -hmm. I didn't think my life would be where it is now. I, I, I'm in a much healthier place than I've ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's easier and more comfortable, but more healthy, Mm -hmm. certainly. And so to be able to how are you doing? Just right. Mm -hmm. Just right. This is what I'm, but you know, that's not, um, that's not bypass. Like you're saying, that's not bypassing difficult times. Yeah. Just right. Mm -hmm. That I still may be having a hard time, Mm -hmm. but I'm just right because this is where I'm at right now. Like Eckhart Mm -hmm. told, you know, Mm -hmm. don't wish for something else right? because that's just going to cause, you know, it's going to make it worse. Right. It's creating the deficit. Right. I am where I am right now. And right. I'm going to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take the steps. Now, it, it takes a lot of um, a lot of work mm-hmm. to be able to say that um, and mean it, mm-hmm. you know, because there's a lot of times I don't want to be where I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm sure you felt that yep. way and everybody's felt that way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not unique to me or you. Mm-hmm. But to be able to say just right and then to go about your life still, you know, to still pursue meaning in your life. Mm-hmm. That's where I think it comes down yes. to is it, you don't give up. You don't mm-hmm. like, yeah, this, you know, you don't look at your circumstance and then, um, judge yourself by your circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. there's plenty of people who are going to judge you by your circumstances already, right. you know, so don't do that to yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, and, and as I've as I've been working on that, you know, kind of getting back to what I mentioned earlier, you know, that, you know, when I first started this podcast, I started out with a quote from E.E. E. Cummings, mm-hmm. his his quote, his poem, may I be I is the only prayer, mm-hmm. not may I be good yes. or great or kind. May I be I. Yes. And I love I, lo- that. I, I love that too, because wherever I am right now mm-hmm. is where I am mm-hmm. and I need to accept that's where I am. Mm-hmm. If I am have, being angry, mm-hmm. this, the answer to that is not toxic positivity. Right. The answer to that is not, well, I can't let these angry feelings out. Right. I've got to suppress them. The answer to that is I'm angry. Yeah. I am angry. Mm-hmm. Why am I angry? Mm-hmm. Okay. What do I need mm-hmm. right now in my mm-hmm. life? You know, what do I need? Yeah. And then work through that yeah. and process it properly. And I, I find that the further I get away from, um, the further I am away from that idea, mm-hmm. that concept of may I be I mm-hmm. and just being in the moment and, and like feeling my, what I, what am I feeling now? Mm-hmm. The further I get away from that, the more I struggle. Yes. The more I get out of my window of tolerance, the more my anger gets worse, mm-hmm. you know, becomes an entity yeah. in and of itself. Right. Because, it, and not my own. Right. And then it starts making my decisions for right, me correct. because I don't work through it. Right. Right. We we are all that way. And I, I think when you say that, I mean, what would it be like in our world if somebody said, how are you doing? And I like your answer that, you know, um, because the truth, the truth is, is that it is both good and bad yeah. right? at all times. There is but good and bad. And in an immature version of looking at life, we want, we, we feel like we either have to take the good and it has to overpower the bad or the bad's big enough that it overpowers the good. Right. And as we, 
I found for myself as I mature. Um, and there, there's a, a great, I have a, I'll, maybe I'll even let you put it on your thing that people can download it. But we, we have, you know, um, uh, Fowler, um, and I was given this by Jackie, Jackie introduced me to this information and then I read it and I kind of reinvented it and made it my own. But we have these stages of faith is what he went into. Now, a lot of people put that into a religious faith, but mm -hmm. I think it's the, the definition of faith. I think I've had to go through these stages, having faith in myself, having faith in my abilities, having faith in that tomorrow can come at a yeah. better, you know, faith itself. For me, that's what I, I like about it. And as you move into the higher stages of faith, then you are really moving into a complexity situation or or a paradoxical situation where good and bad can exist at the same time they don't need to override one another it just is yeah and when we get to that top level of faith that it, it is just that prayer i you know let you know that yeah. it's just you know that's why i you know we do a lot of times in my work we do affirmations you know i am you know somebody's struggling with i am able to reach all my goals i am able to you know and you bring up these these uh affirmations but the very most important affirmation is just two words i am you could stop put a little period at the end of that that's that is really the truth of who you are i am that's it i am interesting the old testament uh jehovah i am that i am who yep. shall i say yeah. sent me i am that i am yep i yeah. am that i am i have a good mentor that used that a lot and he he says i can say i am that I am to everything he saw that when, when you recognize that you have a piece of every person in you, that, you know, you're on this equal plane seeing when we're playing this game of having to understand what is good and what is bad and what overrides the good and mm -hmm. what overrides the bad. I don't have capacity to see, I see somebody, somebody else through those same lenses and then I'm judging them the same way I'm judging myself. Yeah. So if I can, if I could say, I am that, I am, I am that I am, I am that person, which is why in your poem, that's the thing is your, the beautiful words of your experience are, are beautiful. But what that is, is that's a tender experience for you. Yeah. Now, my words are going to be a little different in that middle part, but at the beginning of, I know, and you knew, and I was delivered or maybe, you know, delivered, meaning I was born again, mm -hmm. right? I was re trans it was transformed you know all those kinds of ideas around what that delivered me means that's the essence of what we're all about to me that's why it was so so powerful to me and i think i love when you were talking about um you said you know you're learning to do some things and it's uncomfortable you know and and trying to bring it all together and so for me i i look at i work a lot with and i speak with what i call the mental body, emotional body, spiritual body, physical body. And to me, they're really f entities within myself, real entities within myself. When I am uncomfortable, then I look at the thoughts I'm having. What feelings am I having? What sensations within my body, that physical body, because really everything is a sensation that uncomfortableness is really actually a physical sensation we're feeling. Mm -hmm. So what is that about? What does that feel like? Instead of just trying to get rid of it. Right. Just really go into it and embrace it. And then that spiritual body is the parts of us that, yeah, it's connected to the bigger being and things like that. It's connection, but it's also the meaning I have because 
because that meaning, which is really um, that I have to the things like the meaning I have about this poem Mm -hmm. is very individual. So the meaning I give to things in the world, it's not, it's, it's, it's bigger and grander than just my thoughts and feelings. It's to me, it's, it's the spiritual part of who we are, my meaning I give to these things. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that meaning you know, maybe that meaning isn't helpful, you know, maybe it's not helpful, but it's, it's able to look at that, what I'm looking at. If somebody gives me a look and I, I put meaning to it, that that means I'm not a good person, you know, like, well, what thoughts does that bring up? What emotions is, does that look bring within me? What sensations are going on in my body? And, and when I get quick at that, because over time it becomes a natural quick process, then I am bringing it into me and integrating it rather than trying to make it go away. Yeah. And that that's that being whole, it adds to my wholeness. And for some reason, wish I could explain it a hundred percent correctly, but I just feel better. I just feel better when I integrate versus try and cut away and make, you know, try and get rid of or, or fragment or whatever pieces of me when it's better if I go, and bring them yeah. in and allow them to be. Well, I, I, I get, I mean, I, I feel like I understand what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's part of who you are and we have our feelings for a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not, you know, and when we talk about this, like as we're sitting here now talking about this in mm-hmm. my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, obviously, I mean, that's part of who I am and those feelings I'm having, I'm my body's telling me something for a reason. Mm -hmm. And so I don't want to shut that down. Just like I wouldn't want to shut my, my nervous system down. Like I don't want to be able to, I don't want to be numb because I mean, it protects you. Right. And so trying to, you know, uh, conditioning myself so that I just don't feel the pain. Mm -hmm. That's just setting me up for, um, trouble in the future because I'm not going to see danger. I'm not going to be emotional danger, red flags. So I want to keep those alarm systems on Mm -hmm, board mm -hmm. and, and, but I want to understand them. Mm -hmm. So when they do go off, right. I understand why they're going off Mm -hmm. rather than just, Oh, I just don't like that. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like when the alarm's beeping in the morning and you're like, becomes part of your dream. You're like, Oh, what is that weird thing? You know, you're Mm -hmm. dreaming about your alarm. Like, ah, I can't just turn it off, turn it (laughs) off. But then when you become conscious and aware of it, like, Oh, Oh, it's to wake me up because I need to get up and get going now. I'm going to turn it off now, Yeah, but it's active. So tomorrow it's going to come in at the same time because I need to get up, Mm -hmm. you know, but when it's in your dream, you're just like, ah, shut it off. What? Ah, somebody stop it, you know? And, um, that's a good analogy. I I just came up with that. Bam. It's great. great. I get it. Um, yeah, analogies are great. Although you gotta be careful because you take them too far sometimes and they just fall apart. (laughs) Um, that from a poet? From a poet's perspective. <laughs> yeah, I think I read that. I, I think uh, I got that concept. And uh, I think James E. Talmadge said that in one mm. of his notes in Jesus the Christ mm. about taking analogies too far. But I've always thought, oh, that's a good point. Be careful mm. with analogies. Um, but here's an analogy, actually, that I, yeah. you know, because you talked a lot about it's not good or it's not bad. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of the shadow, light mm-hmm. and shadow, mm-hmm. because, I mean, shadow is part of us. Mm-hmm. We all have shadow. And yeah. I grew up thinking that shadow was the evil thing mm-hmm. and that I needed to cut it off and, mm-hmm. and, and I needed to be filled with light. Yeah. Light's good. Mm-hmm. Light is magnificent, mm-hmm. but so is dark. Mm-hmm. You know, 
dark is good too. The shadow is good. They both have their place. And um, the analogy is a, a Jung quote. He said that uh, you know, for every tr- you know, for a tree to grow to the to grow to the heavens, its roots need to go yes. down to hell. And I remember just thinking, oh, that's kind of cool, you know. Mm-hmm. And then one day it just hit me like, oh, I'm, I understand that now because mm-hmm. I mean, a tree cannot grow tall. I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The strength and, 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 and height of a tree is mm-hmm. proportional to the depth of its roots. A hundred percent. And so our shadow, you know, the roots being the shadow, mm-hmm. the tree being the light. So our shadow has to be a healthy shadow. Yes. Not, it can't overwhelm you. Right. But it has to be a healthy shadow that you, in, like your word, you integrated into mm-hmm. you. And, you know, what is the shadow? I mean, I've read lots of definitions of what the shadow is. Um mm-hmm. I'm not going to attempt to give any here. I mean, there's plenty of, um, I mean, plenty of, 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 um, information out there in the mm-hmm. shadow, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, for me when, it, you know, in the past I used to define it as evil. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wouldn't define it as evil anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I would define it as, um, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to define. It's hard I, I had an experience where one of my meditations or one of my morning and sitting there and being quiet, you know, for me, when I meditate, I sit down and for a minute, you know, the world's kind of going through my mind, you know, and all the stuff. And if I am quiet for a minute, a lot of meditation practices are to take the thought and to make it go away, but that doesn't work for me. What mm-hmm. happens is, is pretty, pretty soon the thought becomes, it, it just, opens up into what mentors of me have made me call visions, you know, mm-hmm. like, which is really uncomfortable for me to say, especially at first, but to say, ah, oh, you had a vision, but this one vision I would mind, I will, I will um, honor my mentors, um, ask of me, but I was sitting there and I, I was transformed and transported to a long, dark hallway. Like there's a big, long hallway with all these doors on both sides opening up and when the doors were open, there was obviously a window in each of the rooms. So, so light would be floating, mm-hmm. you know, just pouring into the hallway. And I was kind of shown that it was almost like this was my, you know, these are, these were the possibilities. I call it even when I look back the hallway of possibilities. So it was like, what are the possibilities for, for my life? And I had decided or, or I had been taught that there were certain possibilities that I would to close that door. That was a Z there no more possible. That was not a possibility. Like mm. that was a no, that's bad, right? That's bad. But when I closed that door, because there was all this light flowing in and all of a sudden there's one of the doors that's closed. That's where my eye went, mm. right? Went to that shadow, right? That shadow became the thing all I could concentrate on. And so I remember sitting in this, you know, in this area, it was like, okay, if I actually open the doors and had to sit there for a minute and almost like, almost like Yoda was teaching me, you know, mm-hmm. like keep the doors open. Cause I wanted to close off some of these doors. I just, I mean, if you closed off all the doors and just left one open and it was just this maze I followed through easily, that would just be fine. But am I making a choice then? Am I using my ability to be an agent to myself, to, to know myself enough to know what I want and need, you know, that word agent, or agency. If I were to hire an agent, they need to know what I want to make choices. It's not just about making a choice. It's what is true for me to be a true agent of myself. I have to know what I want. 
So if I, so if I just closed all the doors, except for the ones that were quote, right, I'm not making any choices. I'm just following a, a path that. And who says what's right? Right. It doesn't, we don't know. I mean, who knows? So, but if I kept just, you know, but then again, if I kept just a few doors open or a few doors closed, that's all, that's all I could focus on mm-hmm. were those dark places, right? Which, it, so I learned if I could keep all the doors open, then I had full agency to choose which doors I went in and which doors I, like I went out. And then once I went into a door, guess what? It's just another hallway full of other doors. But I to keep them all open, which, which you could say maybe non-judgmental or whatever, but in that in being willing and open to all the possibilities, I actually had the most power. And that's what this experience taught me. So, so I think it, it, it it speaks the same as to what you're saying, because um, it's like the, the shadow is also the, the effect of the light. It's also, you don't have shadow without light. So therefore, what does that dark side to, or, 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 or sometimes the dark, if I, if I was to paint a picture and I, I would use the darker colors to accentuate those lighter spaces. Like they're, they're part of the whole beautiful picture. They're part of what makes everything beautiful. Well, and so non-judgment. About yeah. It. Yeah. The dark, the darkness emphasizes the light and it gives it depth, mm-hmm. three dimensions. Right. Otherwise it's just a flat surface. So in the, the light and the dark or the good and the bad. The problem is, is we think that people, you know, and, and I would say in the immature way of looking at things, <laughs> uh, you would say, of course, you know, there's these things that are bad though. These things are bad. And I'm not going to argue with that. That's true. You know, there are things that are not great, you know, murder, rape. We're not going to pretend like those are great. Right. However, when what happens is, is, it's because we're taking that light and we're trying, it's that, it's that transaction between making one overtake the other. If we can be in a state where we uh, integrate our light and dark and we understand who we are, then I think the choices to do those things just become, it's just not something that that's going to happen. When we choose darkness, quote, darkness, a lot of times it's because it's in opposition to the light. It's not both at the same time, right? So if we if we do some integrate in 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 and letting ourselves be who we are and just allowing who we are to exist for a moment. I don't you know, just in like in my Reiki session, can you just do it for a moment? Mm-hmm. Can you just be for a moment? That's when I had the power to start to start healing. And then and then my choice, my my the possibility was there for me to do those dark things, yeah. but I naturally don't go there because, because I, because I'm just with the moment, with the time, with, with the now. Well, it's like uh, that quote from Nietzsche where he says, and thus spoke Zarathustra. He says that, um, verily I, I laugh at those weaklings who consider themselves good, mm-hmm. but have no claws. You know, they have no capacity to destruction, mm-hmm. destruction for whatever reason they've, mm-hmm. they've, um, declawed themselves. I mean, mm-hmm. I think of origin, that early church father who, uh, um, allegedly castrated himself mm-hmm. so he wouldn't have sexual desires. But I, you know, 
Mm. You could say, well, at that point, it's no virtue for you not to to not right. go out and fornicate or adulterate or, right. or whatever. That's, there's no virtue in that for you anymore mm-hmm. because you don't even have the capacity to, to do right. that, you know? And so we have to know and accept it, mm-hmm. but then comes the next step of controlling it yeah, and, and, and master, being the master over it. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's the key, but to, right. to rid ourselves of it somehow right. is that does I mean we are now um, there's no virtue if you right. if you don't have the capacity to commit destruction there's no virtue for not committing destruction you're right and that's where you know goes back to my experience with the create it's like if I learn to create if I'm in creation mode then I that's a very different um, energy to that than I'm this wounded person, you know, that I'm just mm-hmm. there helpless, right? Yeah. In that helplessness, you know, like when you said, you know, when that anger takes over, it becomes its own entity. It yeah. is neither you or it, because it's, because you know why? Because it's, it, because the truth is, is that that anger needs to be seen and needs to be heard. Yeah. And yeah. when it's seen and when it's heard, then there's a lesson there because they're like you say, we, it shows up for some reason. It's yeah. showing up for some reason. Yeah, that's that's a really good point that it, it needs to be seen and heard because you know, why why are you angry about mm-hmm. this? You know, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. What, what what is what is the core of this? What is mm-hmm. the source of it? Not it's bad, get rid of it. Mm-hmm. Um let yeah, yeah, it's a it's a, it's a digestion of it. It's a processing of it. It's different than just turning it off. Right. Because if you just turn it off, one of two things are going to happen. Number one, you are just killing part of yourself yes. and you'll never be whole. Mm-hmm. Number two, you're just um, putting, you know, just covering it up and eventually it's going to come out in a horrible way. Right. You know, if, if you don't, if, if you just kill it mm-hmm. and put a smile on. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the best case scenario. Yeah. The worst case scenario is it's going to blow up in a big, big way. Yep. I think when you were talking with Jackie on the podcast, that's, that's the thing is it's, it, it transforms into something else. And mm-hmm. then, and then we don't have, because we haven't gone through and, and paid attention to the thoughts we were having, thoughts and beliefs that, that worked through that, let's say anger. We didn't, we didn't pay attention to the other emotions tied to it because anger usually has other emotions mm-hmm. tied to it as well. We didn't get familiar with the sensations that were happening in our bodies and we didn't understand our meaning, then what we're doing is we, yeah, we put it off to the side, then it shows up again and we don't have the original ties to it. So now it's all about something, you know what I mean? Where we're not getting to the origin. That's why therapy is so helpful. We're going back to these origin spaces, understanding once we go through and do some origin work, as far as where these things originated, that's, I'm, I'm trained in a thing called heart-centered therapy. That's the whole point. Go back. When was the first time you felt this way? You know, I have people on my table. We, we, we're gentle. We're, we're tender. We try to get the nervous system to be as calm as possible. We bring up their problem that they're dealing with. And we, when, they, when they feel into their body, when was the first time you felt this? It's amazing that things come up and there's things that we don't even we can't even understand but in and in these moments what happened was and I, i'll give an example 
um, there was a woman. She was um, going back to this feeling of just helplessness or I can't even remember the, what, what emotion it was. I try to not keep a, a file system of everybody's things. <laughs> but all of a sudden she was remembering, oh my gosh, I remember being at a birthday party when I was about seven years old and I was winning all the games of this birthday party. And one of the adults came to me and said, hey, can you like let somebody else win? And in that moment, she took on, when she took on the belief that my winning or my being who the best of who I am causes problems for yes. other people, right? When she took on that feeling, once you take something on, then something gets taken away, something lets go. So she had lost her, um, I, I'm trying to think of the word she used for herself, but it was like she lost her greatness. I think that's what it was. It was like, well, I can't be great yeah, because that hurts people. So I'm going to take this greatness of mine and I'm going to put it somewhere else. Sometimes people, will, I'll ask them, where, where did it go? Sometimes it's buried deep, deep inside. Sometimes it's, it's on the moon. You know, it's like I had to put that as far away out of my psyche as I could. And so, I mean, that's the important part is when we have these moments and where we take on these, these negative beliefs, you could say, or, or whatever, we also let go of something. And we want to get that back. We want to integrate those things back because then what happens when we don't have that greatness, I can, I can, uh, effort greatness, mm -hmm. but I don't feel it in my soul. That's the difference there because, yes. um, if it's not integrated into you, mm -hmm. then it's just a mask. Mm -hmm. It's your persona. Yes. And it is, it's, it's not lasting. Mm -hmm. Any resistance against yep. it will cause it to crumble mm -hmm. because it's not who you are. Right. Well, it is who you are, yeah. but it's, it, it's not your, you don't, you don't have a connection to it. Right. And you need to reestablish that connection. There's so much in what you just said. I wrote a few things down here. I'm, um, you know, first of all, that example that you gave, do you remember the, this, this book has become such a part of my life. Mm -hmm. The boy, the mole, mm -hmm. the fox and the horse, mm -hmm. the horse says, there's something that I haven't told you. Mm. you I can fly. Mm -hmm. And he said, but I stopped doing it because it made the other horses be jealous. Yes. And I just, I've listened to so many times. I thought, ah, oh, mm -hmm. how many of us mm -hmm. have shut ourselves down yeah. because other people we're jealous and yes. we didn't fly. Yep. You know? Um, and then the other thing is when you said that you ask the question you ask is when did you first feel this? Mm -hmm. That question and just that process mm -hmm. is so important. I have used that in my life, especially the last few years. Mm -hmm. I mean, I find that I used to always, you know, before I used to always go back whenever I'd feel a sick feeling in my stomach. You know, because maybe I've done something that I thought was wrong mm. and I'd feel this sick feeling in my mm -hmm. stomach. I would always try to find other times in my life where I felt that to see, mm. okay, maybe, you know, to, just to try to understand mm -hmm. what I was feeling. Was it wrong or, mm -hmm. but anyhow, the, the most important, the most important application that I've had for that is mm -hmm. that when I do that, when I'm having these feelings, mm -hmm. I recognize that, okay, it's not just in this instance here. Mm -hmm. I felt that other times in my life yes. and more off. And so what I'm finding is it goes back to 
childhood trauma, kind of like mm-hmm. Gabor Mate talks mm-hmm. about, you know, yes. Ad- he specifically says that addiction is tied to childhood yes. trauma mm-hmm. because it causes us to disconnect from disconnect. our true yep. selves. Yep. Um, yeah. And so it just comes back to that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's the mask of, I can put on this, right. this, this display of um, bravado, right. but that's all it is, is it's false bravado right. and it's not going to hold up to any bit of critical thinking or, yeah. or, or critical uh, questions or it's going to crumble yes. eventually. And what does that cause in you? Fear of, you know, the imposter syndrome yep. you've heard, yep. you know, you're like, they're going to find me out yes. and I'm going to crumble when really that is who you are. Mm-hmm. It's, it's the, the true you is showing up in a, in a, in a, in an artificial mask way, Mm -hmm. but that is really who you are. Yeah. But the way it's showing up is it's crumbling and yeah, it's just, uh, so interesting in the, in that, those moments too, when, when they see it, in fact, I'll, I'll share a little experience I had in my own session, I had taken my courage because when I was young, I'd had this, I was getting my tonsils out and I remember laying on the gurney in the hall. My mom was sitting with me and I looked at her and said, I don't want to do this. You know, like, I don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And of course, now my perspective of my mom, you know, it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you can't, you can't just say, okay, let's go. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> and, and when it was over, you know, she, I remember her telling um, a group of people how courageous I was that in that moment, how that I did what I didn't want to do, you know, and how it was so um, inspiring to her and, you know, and difficult to let, to let that be at this teaching moment, but I did what I didn't want to do. Well, years later in my life, in, in, um, even in my marriage that, you know, that had stuck with me. I was young when that happened. Well, I had, I, there was something I wanted to do. I, you know, like maybe, maybe I wanted to leave and I didn't. Because I knew I shouldn't have, like, I didn't feel like I should have left, but I felt like, oh, so in this healing moment, I realized, oh, I had given away my definition of courage. I had gone against it because I didn't, didn't go through with what I didn't want to do. I, Mm. I didn't want to leave, but I thought, oh, well, that's, I should have done that anyway, because that was the courageous thing to do. Right. Because it wasn't what I wanted to do. Right. It twisted in my mind. And so in my session, you know, realizing that I had, so then I had separated from my, or fragmented my courage. Interesting. And so I had been, I, felt, I mean, and it was true. I was walking around in the earth, uh, you know, just felt like I had lead feet. You know, I just was, I just didn't have, I wasn't walking around with my, you know, shoulders back and, and courageous at all. I was, I was not. And so in this session, when I, looked at because this is an imagery type thing so mm-hmm. i'm looking at this entity of myself my courage and it's i'm looking at it and i'm scared to take it back because that seems so big for me to have to because i've been efforting it for so long that it's like how am i supposed to that that's too scary i can't have that much courage i don't even know how to have that much courage right but realizing that I didn't know how to have that much courage because I didn't have an attachment to it. Like you said, I had no connection to it. So once, so I have to work like with, with this way through with clients too, is it's like, it's, it looks big and scary and large and too much because you 
haven't had it. But your courage knows how to have courage. You don't have to effort it anymore. Mm-hmm. We're going to integrate this piece back in. And it's going to start lifting that that work and doing that work instead of you. Interesting. And and so when it feel when you feel that integration, you know, at some point we work through and allow that to come in. I feel the sen- the physical sensation changes in my body about how that feels. You know, in that moment on in that in that session, I, there you feel a transformation. Yeah, I I like what you're. I like that point. And when I think of all of this information, it, it takes me back to, um, you know, that Cummings poem, uh, may I be I, because in order to have that courage, because, because what, what, what I find is, you know, to, to the level that I'm disconnected from myself, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, to the level I'm disconnected from myself, like the, my fear and my anxiety and my, um, Self-doubt is, and my susceptibility to um, being negatively impacted by criticism, mm-hmm. it, it's proportional to, to my level of disconnect to myself. Correct. Um, and so when I connect, to, as I've been connecting to myself, you know, I, I had this, this understanding in, um, that, that I, like if I can connect to myself, that I'm with myself. Mm. I'm always, I'm, I'm not alone. I'm not dependent on other people's, um, um, praise. I'm not mm. dependent on other people's, uh, um, even their definitions. Yeah. The definitions of who I am yeah. or, or what truth is. Right. I can be comfortable and sit with it. And now that's, mm-hmm. you know, that's a hard place. I mean, it's hard to get to that place completely. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, I, I think we're all, Right. Regardless of our our connection to ourselves, we are all, I think, or speak to myself. Yeah. I, I, you know, I'm still, I, you know, I'm still, um, you yep, know, impacted have, by other people. Yeah, we have you know? moments of disconnection. Yeah, for sure. But I remember, like, I've probably shared this example with you before the, you know, uh, where I've considered my life to be a raft. I know I've shared on the podcast before. Like, my life has been, you know, I've envisioned it as I'm I'm on a raft. And just floating out in the ocean, water everywhere. That's I can't see any land, nothing. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the raft, and I'm not dying. Mm-hmm. That's my what my life consisted of is mm-hmm. not dying, not dying, not li- living. Not living. But I, I do know that you know I've been or I've been told or somehow I have this understanding that beyond the horizon to some somewhere I cannot see, mm-hmm. there's land and there's uh, you know I can live a life I can only imagine mm-hmm. but i have to get off the raft mm-hmm. and i have to risk swimming through this water mm-hmm. um this ocean and, and hoping that it's over there because if it's not well mm-hmm. i'm dead <laughs> and so i you know and that's been my life mm-hmm. and, and i've had the courage and occasion to get off the raft and swim but i always have come back mm-hmm. i've always come back mm-hmm. and in in the fear you know, I, I have this fear of water. Mm-hmm. I, I love the water. I love the ocean, mm-hmm. but I have this um, this exhilarating fear of it. Almost, mm-hmm. I think about being in dark water in the ocean, and it's I, I don't know. It's so I, I always when I whenever I go swimming, like I when I go swimming in the ocean, I, I love swimming in the ocean. I was I don't like to do it by myself. I will mm-hmm. never probably ever swim in the ocean by myself. Mm-hmm. But like when I think of my analogy. I've always imagined that I'm alone swimming it. Mm. And, you know, I think that's incorrect 
in two ways. And number one, I have a lot of support, mm-hmm. you know, and I just, but I failed to see it because mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was worth it. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I was worth it, but mm-hmm. people around me, but as I connect to myself and know that I deserve to be loved, mm-hmm. then people start showing up and I start mm-hmm. seeing and recognizing them that, that they're there. Yeah. And I'm not alone. And so I have the courage to swim mm-hmm. because I know that I deserve to be loved and I'm not uncomfortable accepting the love and the help, mm-hmm. but I have been uncomfortable for most of my life. It's been my experience. Mm-hmm. But on another level, when I connect with myself, I'm not alone because I am with myself mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I've, I think I, I know I sh- I've shared this experience with, on the podcast before as well. Like when I was a kid, I couldn't sleep for a time, bit, mm. you know, and I, I would lie awake at night, terrified, mm. never. And it never dawned on me to go up and talk to my dad or my grandma who's living with us for a little mm. while to say, Hey, I'm scared. Mm. I didn't think that mm. it was, I, I didn't feel, I recognize now that I didn't feel like my fear mm. as a 10 year old boy was worth going and waking my dad up mm. and saying, Hey dad, I'm scared. Mm. I didn't feel that. Mm-hmm. And so instead I laid in my bed at night Mm-hmm. terrified to mm-hmm. the point where I'd go to bed like five or six, hoping to fall asleep before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and this lasts for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. So now what I do is I will actually, in my mind, just go and sit with my little 10 year old self on mm-hmm. my bed and I'll just have a conversation. I'll say, Hey, you can, you can go to sleep now. Mm-hmm. You can sleep. It's okay. Mm-hmm. I'm here with you. You're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I'm here. And that is so powerful and healing to me. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's, part of reparenting yes and but also it's me going to me mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that little boy is still inside of me yes you know and and um so i'm connecting with myself yes and so we're, regardless of where i am mm-hmm. physically mm-hmm. with people without people and you can be lonely in both contexts mm-hmm. but i'm never going to be alone because mm-hmm. i I'm with me. Mm-hmm. And then when, when I'm in that situation, then I have the courage to move forward mm-hmm. and do things that I wouldn't have done before because my value was dependent on external mm-hmm. sources. Mm-hmm. Just like, just like, um, you know, my interpretation of that experience when I almost drowned in Deer Creek Reservoir. Mm-hmm. You know, my interpretation before mm-hmm. was dependent on what people told me it meant. Right. You know, it meant that this, this, and this, mm-hmm. well, I reject that that's the only meaning anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there are multiple meanings for it, not mm-hmm. just one. I mean, I can understand it. I, I know that I was there. I know what happened. And so now when I connect to myself and I'm big pro- still in the process and right, always will be. Right, right. Me too. You know, I have more courage to go do things that I would have been scared before because I was scared of not being accepted Mm -hmm. by other people. Mm -hmm. I wasn't accepted, you know. Um, And so that's been huge for me. And and one reason I heard this thing the other day. um, She was on a a podcast, something with Mel Robbins. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She was talking to some lady named Amy. I don't remember her last name, but she said, like, when you go do something, you don't tap into your competence first because when you start something, you don't have competence yet. Right. It requires you to tap into courage first. Mm. And if you're not connected with yourself, mm-hmm. you don't have the courage 
to see you through. You may have the, the, um, false courage, right? You may have this, like, I'm just going to rush ahead. I don't have no idea what I'm doing. The willpower, but but that's not going to sustain you. Mm -hmm. So in order to really accomplish anything in life, you have to, initially you have to tap into your courage Mm -hmm. and you can't have that courage if your value, your worth and everything about you is dependent on external, Mm -hmm. um, responses to you. You know, like I think of this podcast, I mean, this is, Mm. I'm still figuring this out, you know? Yeah. It's a big risk. It's a risk. It's vulnerable. That's, I don't even, I've said this before. I don't even listen. I I record them and then I put them out there because if I listen to them, I'm not going to put them out there because I get too like, Oh, I shouldn't have said that. And so I can't listen to them. I hope to get to a point where I have them enough confidence in myself that I could think, yeah, whatever it's out there, you know? And it's coming. I know it is. I feel differently. I I do feel differently, but, but I I love that concept that you have to tap into your courage when you're starting something new, not because you don't have the competence yet and you need to be willing to stumble and fall Mm -hmm. and get back up. And, and kind of like, uh, you know, the, the man in the, the arena quote by Roosevelt that Brene Brown talks about so often, Mm -hmm. you know, you need to have the courage to do those types of things. And if, you know, if my self worth and my value is dependent on other people mm-hmm. and I feel like I need to earn it mm-hmm. by being successful and not failing and faltering, mm-hmm. which is really how I felt growing up, mm-hmm. then I'm not going to try a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to try a lot because yeah. I don't want to risk the failure. Right. Uh, very risk averse. Right. And then you don't grow mm-hmm. and you don't become, you don't connect to yourself. You don't become you. You never become a, you're, you're, you're like my analogy on a raft in the middle of the ocean, mm-hmm. not dying. When I, so if I go into my mode of an, an intuitive, I look at that, how symbolic that that example that you give is being on the raft or the water. First of all, you you talked about your fear of water mm-hmm. that you have this, that there's just something about water, which yeah. I think is so, um, that, that there's such symbolism in that because water is so gentle. If we have fire, earth, water, air, the water just seems to be the most gentle, right? The most gentle, but it can carve the grand Canyon. Right. Yes. It can carve the ground candy. And most of us. And it can sink boats. Right. And you don't know that until you know that. Mm-hmm. Like you don't, you know, and I think in your life, you, you were, you learned very young, something gentle can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. You know, like we have this gentleness in our, in this relationship, a mother is more gentle. Right. But, and that can also be the biggest hurt, you know, when that, when that changes, when that goes away, when I'm left floating by myself, right? Also, I think about the story in that, and I think we even talked about this in one of one of the sessions I did with you is, because I picture you floating on that, and I picture you, I can, the, the, the imagery is just, just so um, that I can see it perfectly when you describe it as being on this, this raft in the dark water, and how you get off and swim every so often, get to a certain point and you, you come back. And I think that's such, I think we all can identify with feeling that way, you yeah. know, feeling that way and, and all of those feelings. And it, it reminds me of, um, you know, in, 
in scripture, in the Bible, there's a story of Peter on the boat and yeah. they look out and there's, there's, there's the, the Christ walking on the water and, and, and Peter says, can I come? And he says, yeah, come walk on the water. And he walks on the water, then he begins to sink. And every time I have heard that story, it's always like, oh, he doubted, right? He doubted. Oh yeah, doubt. Da, 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 da. But I had one of my mentors ask me, what, what did, what did he doubt? Now he wasn't, he wasn't doubting that he could walk on the water because that was now a knowing, right? I know I can walk on water. I know I can walk on water, mm -hmm. but should I, am I enough? Like I, I am now doing what this divine person is doing. Is that okay? Or is the water more powerful? Right. Because or is the water that's what he said. Yeah. He saw the waves and he began mm -hmm. to fear. Yeah. So when he was sinking, it wasn't, it wasn't about, it was like, it was more of a, should I, you know, am I worthy enough? Mm -hmm. Is, am I strong enough? Am I enough? Really, really at the end of the day, am I enough to be walking on the water? That's what it was. So I, I look at that and I think when I see one day you will get off that raft and instead of swimming through the ocean, you will walk or you will dance upon that o o ocean, upon that water, I should say. And because, because I know, and then you knew, mm -hmm. right? I know, and then you knew that I'm powerful enough, that I'm enough. Just all the words enough. The In end. myself. Exactly. Right. Yes. I am enough, period. Not yeah. because. No, no. I am enough. Yeah. I am enough. And then it will be, and at that point, you know, and we'll, we'll, like you say, I think we'll always have moments where we are, fearful and because we have the rainbow of emotions that are all important but there will be a point where you will have done enough of that belief in that self that connection you'll be so connected with that self that in that vision that you go to every once in a while you will stand up and you will walk on that water because i know that you can do it and then you knew that you were enough yeah, I like that. I and and I'm I, you know, the raft is symbolic of of many different things. Yes, you know, you know, in my I, life, I feel that. And I have, you know, I've left the raft in many of those mm -hmm. things. That the, mm -hmm. a lot of those rafts are gone, mm -hmm. and that's the other thing. Is I, you know, so I swim away from the raft, and and for many of those things, I kept the raft close by, mm -hmm. and didn't let the raft get away. Yeah. And now I have, and I watch the raft, not only am I swimming towards my horizon, mm -hmm. but I'm watching the raft drift over the opposite horizon, ah. which instills a lot of fear. And that's when I need to go inside and mm -hmm. say, you're enough. Yep. You are, you know, and don't be afraid. Mm -hmm. I'm with you right now. Mm -hmm. I'm, I am with you. I've talked, you know, kind of how I go back to my 10 year old self. Yes. I also bring what I, yep. you know, my higher self, yep. my whole self who yep. is in me. Right. I just haven't realized him yet right. completely. He comes, I, I have him come my, mm. my, uh, Carl Malone method, you know, yeah. yep. I have him come and I just, Hey Scott, you're going to be okay. Yes. You're going to be all right. Yep. And I stop and I breathe 
And I think, what can I control in this situation? Mm -hmm. You know, what is out of my control? What is in my control? And then I need to work on those things that are in my control. And as I do that, Mm -hmm. I find that I'm able to start swimming. Mm -hmm. I'm able to start swimming. and, And, and then I'll make it. And mm-hmm. I think I have made it to the shore in many instances, mm-hmm. you know, many types, parts of my life. I've made it to the shore mm-hmm. and I am living a better life and it's still hard mm-hmm. and there's pain and there always will be. Right. But to your point from earlier, we're not trying. The goal is not to eliminate mm-hmm. those things from our mm-hmm. lives. The goal is to understand them and to, you know, to, to integrate them. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, as I've integrated them, I've been grateful. Like I, I think about the things that I've gone through, not just in the last year, but in my whole life, the, the, mm-hmm. the understanding that I've received from those things. I look at those and I look at, especially in my capacity as a father, mm-hmm. you know, when I, my kids come and talk to me about things they're struggling with. And I think, you know what? I can understand. Talk to me about it. Tell me mm-hmm. about it. And then I understand what they're going through. Right. You knew, I knew. You yes, knew. exactly. I know you. Yeah. yeah I knew. And I can listen to them and I can share mm-hmm. my experience with mm-hmm. them. And I can, I would go through everything all over again yep. so that I have that empathy, mm-hmm. that understanding, that experience to where I can be a strength to them. Yes. And I can figure to, I mean, I, I can't, I cannot heal anybody yeah but i can certainly sit with them mm-hmm. through it and share my experiences mm-hmm. and so yeah you can help them be seen and heard. yes be seen and heard that's the ultimate healing that's the ultimate healing and that's how you knowing that you are worth being heard mm-hmm. knowing that you are worth being listened to that your problems and your fears mm-hmm. are real and that they're worth being listened to. Whenever I, um, like some of my favorite, all my, you know, I was going to say Bible stories, but any story mm-hmm. from any mm-hmm. from right. any source, whenever there's somebody who is heard, mm-hmm. I have, you know, I've always felt emotional. And I never understood why until now, until recently, mm-hmm. as I think, okay, well, because I wasn't heard. Mm-hmm. And so many people are not heard. Yep. So so many children are not heard mm-hmm. and they deserve to be heard. Right. Like I think of the, you know, there's a lot of examples, but one of my favorites is in the new Testament when Christ is walking and that, that woman reaches mm-hmm. out, touches the hem of his mm-hmm. garment and he stops. Mm-hmm. He says, who touched me? Mm-hmm. And I have always been moved by that. Yes. And the reason is that she deserved just as much as anybody to be heard. Mm-hmm. And Christ heard her, yep. turned around, and everybody else mm-hmm. kind of went away. Mm-hmm. You know, it was her floating yep. on the yes. over her own watery grave. Yep. Um, in fact, interestingly, actually, now I think about it, the uh, opposite page of "Comprehend Yourself" is a poem I wrote called "Trembling and Falling," mm. which is based on that. It's, wow. it's short. It says, "The multitude throngs and presses. I reach. Do you feel my touch?" My issue is not of blood, but spirit. And 12 years is only part. Do you Mm. feel virtue go out? Is my faith enough? Mm. You know, and, and 
Yep. He, but, could, he could have just left it. Yeah. But it, but it was no, because the real healing comes in being seen and being heard. Right. And that last question I asked, is my faith enough? Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know that the que- that I don't know that that is necessarily the question that we should be asking ourselves. Mm-hmm. The question we should be asking ourselves is, um, do I f- am, am I am I sincere? Mm-hmm. My 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 intent. I'm trying to f- think of a way to phrase that. Yeah. Because the faith implies that that you are, you know, am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing? Right. Am I complying? Mm-hmm. It's not compliance that we're looking for. I mean, this mm-hmm. lady probably had heard. Uh, don't want to. Yeah. But so. But doesn't he say to her, "Your faith has made yes, you whole"? Yes, he does. But my my point is that her faith in what? Her faith right. in him. Her faith, yeah, in it, Jesus Christ as a savior, right. the Son of God. Right. I don't know. Maybe so. Maybe so. But what what I think we could say is that. Her faith that just touching him would heal her. Right. Whatever it was, it she was doesn't en- know why. It was enough. It was enough. It was and so enough. It was enough. And so the question I think is: Are we sincere? Are we? Do we feel? Mm-hmm. Are we not numb? Mm-hmm. Are we? Are we open? Are we open? Mm-hmm. Are we open and willing to feel the pain? Mm-hmm. And if we're willing to feel the pain then I think we're willing to, to do the things that we need to do mm-hmm. to be healed mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, mm-hmm. spiritually, however. But when we cut it off mm-hmm. and when we, when we just resist, resist is, or when we try to yeah. kill the pain, yes. then you will never heal. Right. Healing, I guess, vulnerability. That's yep. the word. Yes. That's the word. Yep. Vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Boy, it's been a good conversation. I love that poem. I'm telling you. There you go. It's a deep one. Those of you who like it, you can uh, buy my book if you want. Go buy the book. <laughs> Kings English or Amazon.com. And there's another one on its way. Is that correct? Yes. My goal is June 1st to have it okay. out. So uh, now I've fully committed myself. Thank you, Michelle. <laughs> you are welcome. I'm, that's my role for you, apparently. <laughs> yes, yes. You, you prod and prompt. Did you have the title for that one yet? Yes. Ghost of a Beating Heart. Oh, wow. Wow, wow. Because I love the My Mother Sleeps. I mean, I feel like that's just a whole definition of what has catapulted you into your life, healing the good and the bad, the light and the dark, right? Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I I, I know there was stuff going on prior, but I I think, you know. For sure. My mother's death, I used really highlighted it. Yes. But interestingly... I've, you know, I grew up trying to dismiss the notion that it had any impact on me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I realized, no, yeah, that created a lot of, right. um, not being heard, Yeah, you know? And so, but yeah, it's, it's, it was a good exploration. And, um, so this next book. Still working hard on it. So Good. Ju- watch for wait. it. June yep. 1st. <laughs> Can't wait. Cannot All wait. Right. Well, thank you so much mm-hmm. for being here and for talking with me today. I appreciate your insights as always. And you and Monty are very dear friends of mine. Mm-hmm. I've, yeah. I am grateful more than I could ever express for your friendship. Yeah. So, thank In you. return. Same. Ditto. 
All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. All right.